You're listening to After The Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to After The Jack. I'm your host, Tyler Maher, here at the Shepparton News, and we're coming to you today on what was Goulburn Valley playing area midweek pennant grand final day. Uh, was able to sneak out there and take in a bit of the atmosphere uh, just before lunch, and um, it, was, uh, it was really good to see all the greens full at Shep Park and, and so many supporters there uh, cheering their teams on. Ash Williamson, as always, uh, by my side on After the Jack. Ash, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tyler. Certainly an exciting time of the year and uh, Shep Park to be commended for the work they've done. Uh, they, they, they did today hosting the, the midweek pennant finals and I saw that uh, 12 teams, obviously, across all of the grades, but representing 10 different clubs, which is super important, I think, from a competition point of view. You know, the smaller clubs and the bigger clubs as well getting a chance to showcase their wares on Grand Final Day. Especially uh, since we've welcomed a few extra clubs into the ranks um, the, this past season as well. It was good to see a few of uh, those newer faces out there as well. Uh, one face I did see out there was uh, Brian Nisbet, uh, Maybe unlucky to not be playing out on the green, but I uh, was certainly out there taking it all in. Brian? Yes, I didn't get there early. I had a bit of work to do on the um, live streaming organisation for Sunday and had to get a USB stick um, for the editor of the news organised for re an interview. So I didn't rock, rock and roll up or roll up until after lunch and I did... Mainly concentrated on the Division 1 midweek grand final where when I got there, uh, they were 20 shots up. um, Hilltop, I'm thinking David Cartwright, Kai Abram, but Hilltop. (laughs) And David Cartwright was um, dominating his rink against Robbie Betts and that continued uh, right right through the game. And I... um, I, The first thing I saw when I walked into the venue... From Raftery Road end was twenty eight to eighty four. I couldn't believe it. That was Kai Abram versus Marupna in the Division Three Grand Final, and I think Kai beat us by one. Uh, Marupna beat us by one shot last week. Yeah, look, we'll uh, we'll go into the results from today's game, starting with Division Five, Brian, and we'll we'll sort of cover them as comprehensively as we can. Starting with Division Five, the top two sides met in the Grand Final again. Dukey and Colbanabin, and it was the top side Dukey coming out on top, winning the rinks, all the all the spoils on offer, fifty six shots to twenty seven. Looking at the rink scores, only two rinks in the Division Five competition. Marie Ash defeated Glenn Young at twenty one sixteen, but the decisive rink victory was Glenda Exton, thirty five eleven over John Brown. So congratulations to Dukey, uh, victors in the Division Five Grand Final, Brian. Good for a small club like Dukey to celebrate some premiership success that way. It certainly is. I'm pretty sure I picked Colbo, but uh, Colbo, I missed out there. But I I selected fairly well today. Got four out of six, which isn't bad. 66%. Yeah, and um, moving on to Division 4 South, Brian. This one was probably a little bit too close for comfort. The the top two sides, Seymour VRI and Alexandra, they met in the qualifying final and Seymour VRI was 21-shot victors, but um, no such ease today for Seymour VRI. They did claim the premiership, 66 shots to 64. They only won one of the three rinks on offer. Looking at the rink scores, the hero for Seymour VRI, Joseph Purcell and his rink of Mario Folletti, Terence Flynn and Kevin Kane, 29-15 over Ken Argent. And... Um, Alexandra won the other two rinks. Ray Holt beating Ian uh, Cashill, 27-17. And Bob Begami uh, continuing his fantastic pennant season, 22-20 over Greg Jones. But Seymour VRI, two shots to spare and taking out the Division 4 South Grand Final. And they were probably the benchmark side all year, Brian. Yeah, I think I um, went for Alex. I thought they Bob Begami would have been the key Result, but uh, the VRI skipper there against uh, who was he playing? Uh, I'll have was to go. Purcell. Back. Purcell was the hero. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he was a uh, his rink. He had a very commanding lead, and he uh, and he continued. I saw the last couple of ends of that game. 
but they they got a couple on the last now four down on the last end. Alexandra, Alexandra, and uh, Ken Argent's rink, who got well beaten. Yep. by Purcell. So that's all coming back to me now. And they got two shots, but they needed four to get an extra end. Yep. So they fought it right out to the finish. Yeah, and look, um, as we mentioned, a big um, turnaround from the, the qualifying final result, and it just goes to show that anything can happen on, on grand final day. But congratulations to Seymour VRI. So um, I, I'm sure they'll, they'll be looking for, forward to promotion uh, next year and testing their wares in Division 3. Division 4 North. Now, um, Namurka, who were the top side all year, played Shepherd and Golf, which is a replay of the qualifying final. Golf caused the upset in the qualifying final by 10 shots. Would have fancied their chances today, but Namurka was able to turn the tables. 80 shots to 53, 27-shot victors. Looking at the ring scores here, Joyce Andrews, 28-14 over Daryl Fallon. Um, and Alan Rogers, 31-9 over Bruce Giovanetti. Far too much to cover for the other rink, although Ken Cooper for Shepherd and Golf did claim some bragging rights, 30-21 over Vivian Morris, but this this looked like the likely outcome a long way out, bro, um, Tyler. Yeah. Namurka were far too strong in that Division Four comp this year. From about round two or three, we probably could have... Uh Penciled in a Namurka win, although they did get a little bit wobbly late, uh, losing the qualifying final. Um, they were able to, to get the job done uh, when it mattered. And um, interesting how it'll work next year with obviously two Division Four sides looking for promotion. Um, two may have to drop out of uh, Div Three. Yeah, that actually I, I never thought of that with the with the North and South competition, but. Um, certainly looking at how Seymour VRI and Namurka performed in their respective Division 1 competitions, no doubt they'd be more than competitive in Division 3, so it's certainly something that the match committee will have to consider. And the match committee did say that um, there could be, uh, you know, not not specifically lineal um, promotion and relegation heading into the second season of the Golden Valley playing area. They floated that initially before this season that, um, you know, there, there will be a little bit of resettling in terms of where sides have been initially graded as they come into the Golden Valley competition and where they might end up next season that, that may not specifically be one division above or below where they were. Yeah, I think this season, Brian, like it'll give the match committee um, a lot of good information and data to, to maybe settle the competitions a little bit more um, in terms of standard. And, um, you know, you see a lot with the smaller clubs and particularly the central clubs we didn't know a lot about how many players they would have available, what sort of quality of players they would have in comparison to the GV sides. So I think having that season to sort of work all those things out, uh, I think we'll find next year the competitions might be a little bit more even across the grades. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, But geographically, uh, it would have been difficult if Alex would have won. They would have to come in and play mostly GV sides. Yeah. So in a way, it's probably, it's not a good thing, but, that probably more favourable that Seymour VRI won the um, title. Yeah, and I think that's prob- and Yamurka. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be a bone of contention going forward. If you know some of these central sides do happen to win, you know premierships and earn promotion and start filtering through to the competitions with primarily GV sides, um, there is that travel factor there that's that's maybe going to put a few noses out of joint. Um, but you know the reality is. Alexandra and those sorts of sides um, and Eildon, they're having to travel every second week over here, whereas the GV clubs might only have to go there once a year. So I don't know um, if, if anything that those, the central clubs would have more to complain about than the GVs. Yeah, it shouldn't be too much of an issue, I don't think. Yeah. Looking at Division 3, Brian, as you touched on earlier, fairy tale story from Marupna. They made the Division 3 top four. They finished fourth essentially by five shots. They pipped... Shepparton and Park on shot difference, snuck into the finals on fourth. They rode that momentum all the way to the grand final against Kyabram, upset the top side, E. Shepparton and Bryant in the prelim, played Kyabram today in the grand final and put on a performance for the ages. 99 shots to 47 against Kyabram, blew them out of the water to claim the Division Three premiership. Um, and again, we'll be um, eyeing off promotion to Division 2. Just looking at the ring scores, they won all three rinks on offer. Lynn Thatcher, 21, 27-16 over Jam McFadgen. Uh, Bernadette Nichols, 32-16 over Nardo Depetta. 
and Margaret Florence, 40 to 15 over Daryl Gade. So um, fantastic story from Marupna. And um, as we'll touch on later on, um, could be a big year or could be a big week for the Marupna Cats, uh, eyeing off more premiership silverware in the weekend pennant as well, Brian. Yes, I would. I think there's some more silverware on its way to Marupna. And look, um, for a small club again, you know they've had a lot of success in recent years. Their, their their membership numbers have maybe dwindled a little bit, but it's great to see things slowly starting to build up again at, at Marupna uh, in the midweek and the weekend pennant. And you know, obviously, success breeds success, and hopefully, it's something that um, that, that can continue to build them up as the, as the years go on. Yeah, and and when you say they made it by by five shots, just to put that into perspective, as a percentage, if you, if you take it as um, you know as you would a, a football ladder on, on percentage, that they've made finals by point five five of a percent. Yes, uh, they've snuck. That's what they've snuck in by, um, and been able to, to go on and win the whole thing. It's um, it, it's a, it's a really it's a really outstanding effort, really. Yeah, and it's an incredible story, and um, you know, hopefully that's sort of uh, something that. Can you know they can build from that next year, and I've got no doubt. You know, looking at you know the way that they improved across the season, and particularly through the finals, um, the likes of Lynn Thatcher, Bernadette Nichols, you know, they're more than capable of you know being just as competitive as a unit in Division Two next year in the midweek competition. Yeah, well, I did select Coabram to win it after they rolled us by one last week, and I made mention and commended Marupna on playing three lady skippers. And they all justified their positions. In you mentioned Lynn Thatcher, Bernie Nichols, and Margie Florence. So congratulations to uh, Marupna. Thoroughly deserved their win, and they proved they were the best side in Division Three at the right time of the season, which is often you know that's where it counts the most. That's where it counts. Yep. Looking ahead to Division Two. Uh, this was a replay of the qualifying final, Yaroa versus Kyabram. Yaroa were 41-shot victors in the qualifying final to earn the ticket straight into the big dance. Kyabram had to f- scratch and claw, and they only won by eight shots in the preliminary final to give themselves another chance at Yaroa, and they more than took it up to, um, to Yaroa today. Yaroa getting the chocolates just in the end, 69 shots to 66, three shots the difference, winning two of the three rinks on offer. Uh, Libby Byrne beat Jill Barrett 23-22 in a tight one. Tony Kingman's rink was essentially the hero, 29-19 against Peter O'Brien, which would have been a high-class contest between two really experienced skippers. And Graham Woodcock gave gave Kai a fighting chance, 25-17 over Mark Serini. But again, Euroa, great to see a smaller club uh, punching above their weight, winning the Division Two competition, and um, it'll be interesting to see whether they do look to go up to Division One, Brian. Yes, it, uh, I think they will go up, and they'll probably recruit a few more men just to strengthen uh, the side. I may be wrong. They might go just with the same players that got them success this year. But uh, they definitely got... They'll definitely be competitive in in Division One with uh, players of the calibre of Tony Kingma, Libby Byrne, Libby Byrne, and even Margarita Serrini. They're three skippers. Yep, and they got uh, Billy over there, Bill, Bill Taylor, Bill Taylor. Yep, and Yarn uh, Waters. Yeah, yep. So they'll they'll be more than more than competitive, I would say. Yeah, look, um, sort of we spoke briefly off air, but you, they haven't been as keen to go up to the. I know they've had quite a bit of Division Two success in recent seasons and haven't been as keen to go up, probably because they haven't had the depth there that would make them competitive in Division One, but. Um, I think we all agree on the panel here that that's probably different um, at the moment. And, you know, as you mentioned, bringing a couple more into the mix would certainly make them more competitive. And um, them going up and Marupna Golf going from Division 1 down to Division 2 would probably benefit both in terms of competitive competition for both sides. Yeah, I believe a player at a calibre, Kenny Sutcliffe, would um, greatly contribute to a fair bit of success in Division 1 next season if he decides to uh, participate. Yeah, because I know his wife, Mary Ann, plays in the in the midweek. And, you know, I, I totally understand sort of some some people not wanting to play um, and, you know, potentially knock whether it's their wife or another person out of the out of the midweek side, particularly if they play on Saturdays as well. Um, so, you know, Euro has got a bit of thinking to do. But, 
Uh, congratulations, savour the Division 2 Premiership for now. There's plenty of water to go under the bridge until next season, and um, it'll be interesting to see whether your rowers up in Division 1, uh, you know, showing their, showing their wares. Uh, and to finish off Division 1, uh, this was a replay of the qualifying final as well between Tatura Hilltop and Shepparton and Golf. Shepherd and Golf finished on top of the ladder, but um, their second half of the season, their form was a bit indifferent throughout the year, and I think we certainly identified that Tatura Hilltop looked to be the side that was peaking at the right time, and that was proven a couple of weeks ago in the qualifying final when they blew Golf out of the water by uh, 35 shots. And, look, it was a similar story today. The margin wasn't as big, but... Tad Hilltop did the damage early, which so often has been a Shepherd and Golf hallmark, whether it be midweek um, Division One pennant or Saturday Division One pennant. But uh, Tatura Hilltop streaked away early, and they basically won in cruise control, 82-53, 29-shot victory, deserved Division One premiers. Uh, they won two of the three rinks on offer, and uh, fantastic on the bowls link to see the scorecards here, which can, will help us analyse what, where um, where Tatura Hilltop won the game. David Cartwright with Olivia Cartwright, Robin Downs and Diane Downey, far too good for Robbie Betts and Ian McCartan, Les Norton and Paul Edger, 39-17. Looking at the scorecard, they were 13-0 up after four ends um, and, you know, 14-3 after after six six ends. And I looked at the, the scorecards and... Um, see, after six ends on each rink, I think uh, Tatura Hilltop's margin was already 20-plus shots. So um, Cartwright's rink, 39-17. Very, very hard to cover in a grand final, Tyler. Yeah, they, they won 10 of the first 12 ends, and um, they did drop eight shots on those two ends that they lost. But, uh, you know, 25-8 after 12 ends, you know, approaching uh, what would be Smoko around that time uh, by the time they got to about the 15th end. Um, it's just you, you can't um, you can't really come back from that on, on the rink itself, but across the board the board as well. The big board's always against you from from the outset there after four ends. And particularly when you looked across and Rod Medill, uh, Greg Toy, Peter Wallace, and Terry Crozier were playing. Graham Waddell, John Foley, Jenny Waddell, and Graham Myers. And uh, the score after six ends on that rink was 9-1 Medill's way. And he went on to a 26-16 victory. Uh, Waddell's rink fought back to 15-13 after uh, 16 ends, which would have given them a glimmer of hope. But uh, from ends 17, 18, 19, Hilltop, uh, Medill's quartet picked up 2-5 and 2 to make the margin 24-13. And they were able to hold on from then on to win by 10 shots which essentially killed the game despite the fact that Chris Wright, Joe Crow, Lynn Hawkless and Jock Hasty came home with a wet sail against Trevor Downey, Noel Mulcahy, Jeanette Overall and Dot Best to win their rink 2017. Uh, they were down 17-12 after 20 ends, but they won the last five ends on offer with a 3-1-1-2-1 to pip them 2017, but... Uh, all academic in the end, uh, all honest to Tatura Hilltop. And um, as we mentioned, Brian, they seem to be the one that um, their, their form was a bit up and down in the first half of the season. But once they sort of settled their combinations, particularly their skippers, um, you know, David Cartwright's form after after Christmas was really good in that midweek side. Um, and they certainly looked the ones a long way out that seemed to be peaking at the right time. Yeah, spot on, Ash. Uh, they certainly peaked at the right time and... Uh, led by Cartwright, he, he was the um, commander-in-chief out there today and encouraging all his, uh, all his subordinates um, on all the other rinks and his own side. And his own team bowled exceptionally well. The whole four players we've already mentioned, Di Downey and Robin Downs and Olivia Cartwright. Robbie Betson um, tried hard. I, he must have been frustrated. He went through a... I saw him go through three or four gaps, only wide enough for a bowl, <laughs> trying to change the head around, and it just wasn't their day. You know, it was just our bowl. Do we think it could be a bit of a changing in the guard in the midweek? Obviously, we've probably been used to Shep Park and Shep Golf playing off in the grand final probably over the last six to eight years. Park missed out on finals inexplicably after a second-half um, capitulation in the after Christmas. Um, Shep Golf still finished on top of the ladder, but... Pretty disappointing efforts in their two finals against Tatura Hilltop. And just looking at the sides that played today, you know, um, a couple of key players and, you know, Division One caliber players, the likes of Rod Medill, Olivia Cartwright, David Cartwright, Greg Toy in there as well. That sort of seemed to be enough to just tip 
um, to Chura Hilltop over the edge. And, and you know, you look at Shep Golfside, they've sort of had that same mix for a number of years now. And maybe, maybe the tide's turned a little bit. At some point, the, uh, you know, the, the hunter uh, eventually gets the... Um, <laughs> I've, I've completely stuffed that one around. Yeah. The, the, the hunted eventually gets the hunter. Um, but, yeah, I think just a changing of the guard maybe, but um, specifically just, you know, every side has really gone into every season wondering how they could beat golf. Yeah. And you know, eventually it was going to happen. Yeah, exactly right. And um, we'll obviously touch on that again with the Saturday pennant uh, grand final previews. And, you know, it might be a similar case in Division 1, but, um, you know, you can only be on top for so long. And c- congratulations to Tatura Hilltop. And uh, they'll be the, the hunted next year now uh, after their, their dominance in the second half of this season and particularly in the final series. So well done to all the midweek. Uh, you know, competition premiers. Great to see a variety of clubs. I don't think there was a club that won two out of all the grades. So, you know, um, a different premier in each grade is certainly what the competition wants to see to, you know, showcase its strength and, you know, the ability of small clubs and big clubs to to c- claim some silverware. And, um, you know, it's certainly gr- great to see. For sure. Brian, um, we'll move on to, do you want to do top 20s now or do you want to go into the... Uh, Saturday pennant uh, review from preliminary final weekend. Yes, I'll do the weekend right review, here. preliminary finals. And we're going to have our little segment on um, Alex Marshall. No. No. <laughs> we'll leave that for a later date. Weekend review, Division 6 South. Alex won, earned the right to challenge Yield 1 for the Premiership with a resounding victory by 41 shots against Yield and 2. Ending their season. Ken Argent's Alex number one rink by a huge margin of 31 shots over Yildon's uh, two's Craig Fox was a telling result. In Division 6 North, Colbo have a chance to reverse their qualifying final loss to Kai when they defeated Dookie by 25 shots in a whitewash. Shane Ryan's rink, their best by 12 over Dookie's Dan Oster's Rink, who the previous week were the heroes for Dookie. So yes, yeah. A, a, a week is a long time in bowls. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've heard that before. Division 5, Merch went out in straight sets, going down by nine shots to last year's Premier's Marutna Golf, who won on three rinks to one. Lee Wakenshaw's rink by 22 over Bill Saunders' Merch's rink. And incidentally, uh, Bill Saunders' rink, was he, um, he was second on the skipper's ladder to lead during the season, so that is a big result. We, pro- we probably forecast that one last week. You know, obviously, Merch were in the qualifying final, copped a bit of a hiding from Tally Garupner, and it was always going to be hard for him to bounce back, particularly after Marupna Golf was on a high after winning the elimination final. Certainly. Tony Martin, Merch's new recruit, um, Put up a great effort to keep, to try and keep Merch in the game. He had a huge 21-shot win over Jason McConkie's Marutna Golf Ring. So they took something out of the game. Yep. Division 4, Nagambi rebounded from their 34-shot qualifying final defeat to eliminate Seymour by 31 shots. I gave him the kiss of death, Seymour, so <laughs> thanks to me. The Page brothers, Robert by 23 and Wayne by 22, over... Uh, Pruden and... Don Pruden, yep. Yeah, Don Pruden and Muller's Rinks. Jan Wesselman continued a great finals form yeah, absolutely. for Seymour, defeating Mark Brack by 16. Yeah, she she added a great final series with a couple of big results. So She certainly did. So congratulations to Jan in the losing side. Division 3 in a close contest, Tally St. Park on its way to a straight sets exit by a nine-shot margin, winning on three rinks to one. Peter Emanuele's a rink was successful again, winning by the biggest margin by 12 shots against Park's Doug Freeman's rink. Park's Ronnie Holland flew the flag, his rink, for an eight-shot victory for Park. Yeah, look, Tally was about 20 shots up overall in this contest and Park clawed their way back to level it uh, probably in the last five to ten ends and uh, Tally was able to hold their nerve and kick again late to win by nine shots. But 
bitterly disappointing for Park. You know, they um, they looked like the side that could take it up to Seymour the most in the Division Three comp this year, and they got really, really close in the qualifying final. Um, but they weren't able to rebound in the preliminary final and earn another shot to them. Credit to Tally for, uh, you know, they've won two finals now and they get the, the, the chance to knock off Seymour in the big one. Yeah, they certainly do. Division 2, Shep Golf proved too strong and will defend their title next Saturday, defeating Shep Park by 12 shots at Stanhope on a 17-second green. Two ranks each. The leading rank for golf was Richard Warburton, who saluted by 13 over Heath Matthews, which was just one shot over their margin. Yep, essentially the That difference. was a decisive rink victory. Well, we were out there, Brian, for the pro- probably about 60-odd ends of that game, and um, Shep got, uh, Park actually had their nose in front at the break by about two shots, but it sort of felt like um, Richard Warburton's rink was in con- control against Heath Matthews and they only needed a couple of the rinks who were down to sort of respond and Robbie Betson did that against Calvin Rogash. He was down a little bit early, um, come back to win his rink on the day um, and, you know, that, that that was the difference really. And you mentioned the 17-second green. At the end of the day, um, golf adjusted to it better than better than Shep Park. There was a lot of balls sort of flying through the head a little bit, um, you know. So uh, it always comes down to who adapts better to the conditions. And uh, golf did that, and they earned another crack at Marupna in the Div 2 granny, which we'll touch on in, in a little bit. Right. Division 1, Tally confirmed their status as golf's biggest threat. For the pennant title when they accounted for Kai by a huge 49 shots, three and a half rinks to half. Mark Ryan's rink was superb, defeating Schilling's rink by 22, considering Greg Schilling won the game against Hilltop on his own, or his rink did, Yep, losing on uh, the other three rinks. Jockey McGuinness's rink held their own against Mitch Sidebottom's rink, drawing 21 shots apiece. What, what did you make of the margin, Brian? Did you think it would be that much in Tallygarupna's favour? Oh, I thought they'd win by 20 shots, but I didn't think it would be... Yeah. No, it was double that and more. Yeah, look, I think the feeling um, sort of was that Kybram probably felt like they won their grand final the week before against Tad Hilltop, and it was going to be hard for him to get up again against Tally, particularly given that they'd played in the last couple of regular season rounds and didn't get a rink. Um, and look... If we'd gone at the start of the season and said, let's just skip ahead to the grand final, I think we all would have said Tally and Golf were going to be the two sides in it. And, um, you know, Kyburn did a fantastic job to make the preliminary final, given I think probably most people tipped them to fall down the ladder, given they hadn't really recruited anyone significant. Um, but, yeah, I think the golf between Tally and Kybram in this preliminary final, it looked a mismatch on paper. I think the key was Mark Ryan's rink winning so well after he um, copped a hiding against Brad Orr in the qualifying final. I think that'll give that rink a lot of confidence going into the grand final. Um, you know, well done to Kai on their season. Um, I think if we just sort of touch on Kai for a little bit, looking ahead to next season, from what I hear, they're, they're definitely in the mix for some um, some new faces to join the club, which will certainly incre- increase their their depth overall. Um, you know, they, they're, they're Division 2... You know, we're thereabouts, but you know, a few new places in uh, players into their Division One mix will increase their depth across the grades a little bit, and I think they are after a couple of a big fish, I guess you'd call them, to um to give their their their, their Div One side a bit more clout. Yeah, I think they're in a, a decent spot. Um, they've also got a few sort of younger faces um that will push through in the next few years. Um, you know, thinking Boswoods yep. specifically. Yep. Um. McInnes, yeah. the the ability for them to, to win that elimination final um, can't be undersold. I, I don't think that that's something that will give them, um, you know, a fair bit of not momentum into next season. But you know, th- they'll finish the season happy with where they got to. Yeah, because uh, it it, w- it could have gone even more pear shaped after winning, you know, one, taking one point from three of their other last four games. Yes. Um, it, you know that would have been a, a really sour way to finish the season if they had have um, you know limped into finals and and fallen over at the first hurdle. But the the fact that they were able to lift again shows the fight that they've got and they're always thereabouts. And 
I think um, you know they'll be thereabouts again next year, especially if they can add a couple. Yeah, well, the reality is after this season, only three clubs will be able to say that they won a final, and Kybram will be one of those. So you always sort of um, tick that box. You feel pretty comfortable with where you're at going into the next season, and I guess it gives them the impetus to maybe try and bring in a couple of extra players and build on the foundations that they've set this year. And, you know, Glenn Fields, the chairman of selectors, and um, out there, I know he's probably got big plans moving ahead to next season and um, he's going to be a big big architect of what Kyrum's future holds and um, yeah I, I think the plans are probably already in place for next season over at Kai Yeah I think that would be they'll, they won't take this line down and uh, they'll be they'll be a better side next year I believe those two Boswoods Henry and Charlie will play in their top side next year I reckon they'll go for youth Yep. Yeah. Look, it's um, it's not a bad idea. And look, looking at their their mix in the in the fin- two finals that they played this year, um, you know, no doubt, you know, a lot of their experienced players, you know, they brought Phil Denham in who hadn't played Division One all year, but they brought him in for the two finals, and no doubt he's still a Division One caliber player. But you know, you've also got to have an eye eye on the future and ha- um. The, the Boswood brothers, um, you know, they're certainly part of that future plan. And look, um, they'd no doubt be looking for them to push up into Division One in the short term for sure. And I, I did hear from a few guys that went out and watched the match that their 17 second golf green um, suited Tally Garupna's uh, players a bit better than it did Kai's. I believe that that would have been played at Chep Park. Kai would have got within 20 shots. Yeah, look, and um, and that's the thing about this time of year. You know you're going to be playing on grass greens that are running at a pretty slick speed, and it is a bit more of a test um, of skill, I guess, and, you, and your weight and your drawing ability. Um, that's not to say that everyone at Tally handled it well. There were a couple of players down on the day, particularly um, in Mitch, Mitch Sidebottom's rink. They, they had a draw against Jockey McInnes and... Um, I, I spoke to Joey Lear on, on Sunday and he said that he probably had one of his uh, worst games for the year. But um, I, I have no doubt that, um, you know, the Shep Park Green for the grand final will be, won't be running quite that quick. Um, so it will sort of uh, allow those players to, to rely a bit more on their drawing ability rather than having too many bowls rushing through the head. So that's what we want to see. Yeah, I, I don't buy too much into to green um, pace excuses, especially come finals time, unless it's 10 seconds or 20 seconds, uh, I think it's a fair game. Yeah, exactly right. So, Brian, where, where does that leave us? We're going to look ahead to the grand finals this Saturday and Sunday. Or do you want to do your top 20? All right, let's do top. Let's go to top 20 before we preview the big grand finals. Are you going to go first or me? I'll go first. All right. We so got Dave Hardy's. We haven't got Dave Hardy, so it's just you and I, mate. But, um, but Dave has compiled his. He has compiled his, but... we um, to look out for the uh, Shep News to, to see Dave's. Yep. So uh, okay. we've done this completely independently, haven't we, Brian? This is the first time I'm hearing yours and the first time you're hearing yep. mine. Yep. Well, starting... You want me to go from one or start from 20 and go backwards? Go, oh, Brian, build up a bit of suspense. 20. Mate. 20. Andy Houston, Yaroa. 19. Josh Warren. Chip Park. 18, Paul Warren, Chip Park. It's not a best and fairest, mate. You can run through it a bit. Yeah. 17, yeah. Wayne Dagger, Chip Golf. 16, David Cartwright, Tad Hilltop. 15, Glenn Fields, Coabram. 14, Kenny Sutcliffe, Yaroa. 13 is Macatruan from Chip Golf. 12, Greg Schilling. 11, Johnny Gribble. 10, Jeff Beattie. I think I've, um, yeah, I've tried the 13, 12, 12, Johnny Gribble, sorry. Yep. 11, Jeff Beattie. 10, Paul Nichols. 9, Mark Ryan. 8, Connor Truen. 7, Matty Robertson. 6, Mitch Sidebottom. 5, Brett Reiner. 4, David Dawes. 3, Liam Crapper. 2, Brett Foley. And 1, The Big Show, Brad Orr. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about what criteria you go for when you look at your top 20? Because you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. What do you sort of look for when you're doing it sort of season on season? Is it the season at hand or is there a bit of past history that, that goes into it as well? Or ha- ha- give us a rundown of what you look for. Well, I definitely uh, reflect on the current season and and uh, I think they're past... 
experience and performance has got to come into it as well. Yeah. Because they probably play with different players. Mm. They don't have the same pennant side. Yeah. And a lot of this is based on pennant results. Yes. But And you've got to take into account Goulburn Valley events. Yep. And... Uh, and even midweek performances. I mean, if a player's um, skipping in midweek and he's had a good season, he might be playing with um, three ladies. He might be the only male in the side. Yeah. And where other sides have got three men and one lady. Yeah. You've got to take that into account. Okay. And. Yep. Yeah, look, there's a quite, I don't know how many players. It's quite, I reckon there's four or five out in this team last year have just gone by the wayside. So. Is there, was there anyone stiff to miss off the top of your head or. Your top 20 this year? Um, Paul McGuinness from yep. um, Kyabram. Oh, yep. And who else did I? Yeah, Paul's probably... Oh, Peter Lasseur as well from... Um, yep. Just couldn't fit him in. Yep. Jason Carter wasn't far away either, but... Yep. Well, you can only get 20 there, and I think yep. the 20 I've chosen deserve their spots. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, um, it's interesting to chat about it because... Um, before I go through mine, my criteria is basically um, Saturday pennant results. So I didn't look too much into midweek pennant results. And it's on the current form of the season, so that just this season alone. So reputations or past achievements don't really factor into it for me. It's just the season gone and GV events as well or club championships as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the criteria I used. And I've actually looked at um, – I've actually carried more weight on players from – who don't play for golf and tally how they performed in their pennant results in those games. I gave a bit more weight to those results given that they're far and away the top two sides in the competition. So they, those are the factors that I looked into. it. So there were some big names to miss out. I had 30 on my shortlist, so I had to trim – 10 to get down to a top 20. So I'll just go through a couple of the names that did miss out. Um, John Stokes, uh, a couple of the notables, Joey Lear, uh, Jason Carter, Peter Lasseur, David Cartwright missed out in my list. Um, and I also um, had Darren Kelly and Max Hammond just looking at lower grades and their results as well. I thought they deserved a bit of a mention given that they, they're playing in their club's top side. But my top 20 from 20 to 1, uh, Jeff Beattie also missed out in mine as well, and I know he was in he was in yours. 20, I had Ken Sutcliffe, so um, obviously um, didn't win a game against either golf or tally his rink, and he only won his rink four times the year, but he did make a run in the GV singles and the champion of champions, so he snuck in at 20. Number 19, I had Mick Hanna, who, um, if you talk to Mitch Sidebottom, probably been the most consistent player in his rink all year um, and has had a really good bounce back year after playing third a lot of this year. He's really thrived as a second. Number 18, I had John Gribble. Um, going to Eshep this year was always going to be a challenge, obviously um, coming from Shep Golf and the dynasty there. Um, made the GV4s final, but only won his rink once against Tally and Golf, which probably shows, you know, going from a powerhouse side like Golf to East, had to fight a bit more hard for his rink victories. Number 17, Scott Adams, um, led really well for Mark Ryan all year. Uh, another one who's probably benefited from that change in position, just going back to leading and drawing, and I think he was picked as a lead in the group side as well. Number 16, Glenn Fields, their best performed skipper this year. Also had a win earlier on the year against Liam Crapper, which gives his, um, his ranking a bit more weight. Number 15, I had his clubmate just ahead of him, Greg Schilling, based on the fact that um, he also had a, a rink win against Mark Ryan and won about his 95th club championship at Kybram this year. So that got him the nod over Glenn Fields. Number 14, I had Matt Robertson, obviously played in the fours this year, um, has flipped a bit from skipping and playing third this year. Um, maybe if he'd skipped all year, I reckon his results would have earned him a higher spot on the list. Number 13, I had Andy Houston, purely on the fact that he won his rink seven times through Urara in the bottom side in the competition, which I think is an outstanding achievement and um, that gives him a, weight, a bit, bit more weight. He didn't actually play um, against uh, the the golf game was a forfeit for Yaroa, and then I think he missed the first tally game. He lost the other two times he played them, but I think winning seven games in the bottom side um, deserves a spot in the top 15. So I had him at 13. Number 12, Mac Truon, best leader in the comp for mine. Now um, sets up Brad Orr pretty much every week. Number 11, I had Brendan Boyd. Now, there's only two people who won three out of their four games against Tally and Golf this year. Brendan Boyd's the first one. 
beat John Stokes, Brad Robinson and David Dawes. Um, the only reason I had him 11 uh, behind number 10, which is Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols had a, had a win over Brett Foley, David Dawes and Brad Robinson. So the Foley win probably gets him just ahead of Brendan Boyd for mine. Number nine, I had Mark Ryan, probably a bit of a slider on my list. Um, probably not the dominant force that he has been in recent seasons. Um, great to see him bounce back in the prelim final, but um, the all result in the qualifying final probably shows that he's not the the powerhouse skipper that he want, has been for many, many years in the competition. Number eight with a bullet for me is Wayne Dagger, and I think he'll be higher on my list come next season. I think he's their next skipper in waiting at Shep Golf. He's really improved a lot this year. Started the year playing third to Brad Orr. Um, then spent some time with Connor Truan, now with John Stokes. I think he's the one being groomed to skip next. Number seven, Connor Truan. He's their X Factor for me in the grand final and his results this year, first year sort of um, skipping full-time have been outstanding. Number six, David Dawes. I'd have him higher if his pennant record was better. We know he, he won a heap of GV events, but to win only six games um, this year in pennant is a bit um, mind-boggling for me given how strong his skipping record would have been during golf's premiership dynasty. Number five, Brent Rayner. He didn't lose his rink after round five this year. So he finished off the year really strongly in a side that didn't make finals, East Shepherd. And um, number four, Mitch Sidebottom, his rink um, results really impressive again this year. Won the fours as well. Um, but I had him behind number three, Liam Crapper, who first year in the competition, um, really high up in the skips table. And then we had the same top two, Brett Foley, number two, and Brad Orr, number one. So fairly similar at the top end, Brian, but certainly some differences from then onwards. Tyler? Yeah, I agree. I enjoy the um, the differing approaches. Um, you know, I, I sit somewhere in the middle, I think, um, for me, it would be more of uh, not that I've done one, but um, it would be more of a uh, schoolyard pick of um, current season results. Of uh, you know, you went out there and picked your uh, your best twenty. Um, how would you pick it, um, irrespective of position? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but oh, I appreciate the, um, the 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 factoring in of past performances does you know it does hold some weight you know season to season mm. r- results can fluctuate but the you know the, the quality of a bowler doesn't doesn't usually um that much so uh yeah good uh differing lists although similar top tens as ex- as probably expected yeah um but uh definitely a fair bit of variety in that second ten i think what's interesting from my top 20 after i looked at it sort of a bit more closely was i've actually got more players from tally in than shep golf but i think tally's Guns, obviously, we can see with Orr and Foley being the top two. They're the high-quality ones that, um, you know, we know that they're really gun bowlers in this region and in the state, um, whereas Tally's maybe a little bit more consistent in their top ends across their four rinks. So, um, yeah, but certainly always interesting fodder. And um, Brian and Dave have done their top 20 for many years. Now, Mike Sheehan's style, and it's certainly uh, always good for a bit of discussion and debate, Brian. Yeah, and I um, had to leave Dave Hardy out again. He must have been 21 on both of our lists. Oh, mate, he's... Tom Brady, they're calling him now. I think his chances might have gone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. (laughs) Grand final weekend pennant this weekend. It's uh, going to be an outstanding weekend of bowls, as it always is. Um, Brian, what are your uh, initial thoughts? Here we go. Uh, Division 6 South. Alex won versus Eildon won at Yaroa. Alex won both the top three skips, Bagami, Gilmore and Argent. But lost to Eildon won in the qualifying final by five shots. I expect Alex won to redeem that result despite the best efforts of Sharon and Steve Hall, former Nagambi players and Ivan Sutcliffe. No relation to Ken or Jeff. Alex won is my tip by 12 shots. Division 6, North Kai versus Colbo at Tatura. Kai won their first encounter by 8 at home. Colbo won by 29 at home. And Kai by 19 in the qualifying final. Brad McIntosh's rink has won 12 out of 13, plus 181 shots up. And they loom as the game breakers. While Shane Ryan's rink for Colbo has won 10 out of 12 and 156 shots up. And a clash of these two rinks would be a draw card. Kai will be confident, but Colbo, the best side all season, will get the job done by six shots in a tense contest. 
And it'll be a big turner, and if they do, I'm backing in Kyabram to uh, make the season record 3-1. Brad McIntosh, the X Factor for me. Very good. Weekend, grand final, Division 5, Tally versus Marupna Golf at Shep Park. Marupna Golf defeated Tally in round three by 12 shots at home, whilst Tally account for Marupna Golf in round uh, 10 by seven at home. Marupna Golf are the reigning premiers. And boasts the top skip, Lee Wakenshaw, and his rink defeated number two skip, I mentioned it before, yep. Billy Saunders by 22 shots in preliminary final to demonstrate their strength in that particular rink. Gary Murphy's rink has been Telly's trump card and they will rely on him again if they are to win. If they can stop Wakenshaw's rink dominance, Telly will succeed. If not, Marupna Golf will go back to back. And my tip is Marupna Golf by eight shots. Yeah, look, um, we, we should probably touch on the fact that Tally's got their all their three Saturday pennant sides in the grand final this weekend, which is a fantastic achievement, um, starting with their Division 5 side against Marupna Golf. They've certainly um, been impressive throughout the final series. Did They they won straight in, didn't they, Tally? Yes. In five, they did, yeah. yeah, and um, Marupna Golf have had to go in the hard way. But I think the confidence they'll take from that win, big win last week against Murchison Marupna Golf, they've had to win two games to get there. I think that'll just give them a slight edge over Tally in the big one on Saturday. Um, this one will be played at Shep Park, probably on the carpet, I'd say. Um, so I'm going to give Marupna Golf the edge. Oh, no, oh, it might be on grass. I'm not sure, but it will be at Shep Park. Yes, well, it, there's... There's there a, three games there, I think, on Saturday. Is there or not? I think there is three matches. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it's played, but um, I'm still giving Marupna Golf the edge based on the fact that they've won the two finals to yeah, get Yeah, I, I reckon it'll be on grass. Yeah, there's so, only three rinks, isn't there? Yeah, I think there's only two at Shep Park. No, but um, okay, yeah, and then the two matches. One. Yep. Yep, there's only two, so it'll be on grass. Division 4, Seymour VRI versus Nagambi at Yaroa. VRI defeated Nagambi in round two by 10 at Nagambi, and Nagambi defeated VRI at VRI by 14 in round nine. Interesting turn of results there. That is. Yeah. VRI won the qualifying final by the big margin of 34 shots at each ship. Yeah. VRI boasts three of the top four skips on the ladder in Chalice, Purcell, and Zizkowski. 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 Well, Nagambi skips the rank 2, 5 and 7. That is Mark Brack, Rob Page and Wayne Page, respectively. This clash will go to the wire with the Page brothers coming off huge rink wins last week in the preliminary final against Seymour. VRI might just have more depth in their front half, which will see them win by 14 shots. It's always an interesting discussion. Do you back the side Nagambi who's come through the confidence booster and, and hasn't had the week off um, from the preliminary final? Or do you go with VRI who landed the psychological blow in the qualifying final? I think a 34-shot or whatever it was, 30-odd-shot victory in the qualifying final will be too much for Nagambi to overcome. So I'm going to go with VRI by 15 shots. Fair call. We agree on that. Seymour uh, versus Tally in Division 3. And this is a Chep Park. Seymour have dominated this division from go to woe and will start firm favourites against Tally. However, Tally have been the only side to get close to Seymour, losing by only six at Seymour in round three, which is uh, a fantastic performance. Seymour increased that margin to 21 in round 10 at Tally. Brown, Hammond and Flint's rinks have three losses combined for the season. I don't think I've ever seen that no. in a um, skipper's ladder for the year. Whilst Tally's best rink is Terry Lee White with nine out of 14 and Tommy Goodman, um, won, he's won eight out of 10. Seymour recorded a massive 674 shot differential margin compared to Tally who is second with 128. Yeah, just shows their dominance and in statistics. Um, Seymour have kept the same rinks together all season, and this has bred success for them. Tally have some top bowlers in Goodwin, Emanuele, Leah, and Swooper Pousty, but Seymour has too much depth and experience, and will finish victorious by twenty shots. <laughs> 
Yeah, look, um, massive game for both clubs, really. I think both ideally would like to earn promotion to Division 2 and just increase that gap, um, particularly for Tally, having a 1 and a 3. They'd prefer to have a 1 and a 2. Um, and Seymour wanting to climb back up the grades after having a Division 1 side probably three or four years ago. Seymour's been the benchmark all year for mine, and you know the experience of guys like Biggles Brown, Max Hammond, I don't think they're going to be the ones that fall over at the final hurdle. So it's Seymour for me, and I think this could be pretty one-sided. I'm going to go 30 shots. Yeah, Seymour just put together too much body of work to um, to let it slip at this stage, and I think they'll be a competitive Div 2 side next year. Division 2, Marupna play Shep Golf at Tatura. Shep Golf dominated proceedings early on, and at Christmas, Marupna were rock bottom. Since then, however, Golf have lost four games and Marupna have saluted seven times in a complete form reversal. And the bonus of picking up Brett Gunning has been the finishing touch for Marupna as well as Bruce Robson returning. He's been the silent um, player over there, but is in really great form as a third. Yep. He won one game as a skip. I think it was his first or second match back. Golf have the personnel and experience. But Marupna are on a roller coaster and a mission. My tip, Marupna by four shots in the Titanic battle. Tyler, this is where you step in, mate. It's the uh, it's just the the vibe, the groundswell of um, it's Marbo. It's the groundswell of uh, the cats that has just captured the attention since Christmas, really. Um, and I think feeding off of their. Magnificent midweek effort today um, from their Division 3 side. I, I think the Cats can get the job done. But as Brian said, I think this, uh, you know, if we didn't have what should be such a good Div 1 contest, this is certainly the, the second best uh, contest of the of the weekend for sure and definitely will headline Saturday's action. Yeah, look, and um, Marupna got the chocolates over Shep Golf in the qualifying final, so no doubt they'll take some confidence from that. But... Shepparton and Golf looked really engaged against Shepparton and Park in the preliminary final last week, and they were really determined to earn another crack at Marupna and avoid that dreaded straight sets finals exit. Look, it'll be interesting to see what Shep Golf does with their sides because um, Gert Foley will be available to return for their Division 1 side, so someone will have to come out of that side. Um, and if it's Reese Newby, I don't think he qualifies for Division 2. Um, he's only played two Division Two games. So um, there might have to be some shuffling there. There's going to be some hard selection calls, which is always the case when you've got multiple sides in finals and you're looking at qualification, etc. Um, I think Marupna can get the job done and it's a really, really important game for them wanting to earn Division One promotion because I think, as we've touched on previously, they're eyeing off some some recruits as well if they are back up in the Division 1 to really make them competitive back in the top flight. Um, and obviously it's important that they win the Premiership on Saturday to start that process rolling of really continuing the rebuild that's been in the works now for probably two or three years. Um, so well done to Marupna for get, earning another crack at Premiership glory. They've waited all, uh, you know, 12 months for this day. Um, probably didn't put their best foot forward in the grand final last year. I think the margin was about 40 shots against Shep Golf. I don't think it'll be anywhere near that this year, Brian. You said four shots. I'm going to go Marupna by eight. I think, um, well, we've got uh, grand final rematches in Div 1 and 2, which probably shows um, how uh, dominant those sides or how how much those sides have looked to this um, date from 12 months ago. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there, there may have been a, a famous... Division One battle between these two sides uh, a few years ago that went to uh, an extra end or two, yes. and I think yes. this one might be uh, Marupna getting uh, one shot victory on a second extra end uh, is my tip. So there we go. Well, uh, that that Division One grand final you allude to, uh, Brian, you you were there. Is that your rower? And yep. it was Shepherd and Golf breaking Marupna's hearts at that yep. stage, where a younger Brad Orr um, was playing for Marupna and Mark Ryan was coaching. Marutma as well. Uh, John Hallam was the hero. So how things turn over so many years. And um, Ori was in his younger days of skipping back then, and he's certainly a different player now. But um, I like the link that you've drawn there, Tyler, and uh, you've got Marutna turning the tables this time in an extra end. <laughs> yes, um, it'll be very interesting. Division 1, 
Um, we've got Shepherd and Golf playing Tally Garupna. The two heavyweights at a comp will fight it out for glory. Tally haven't defeated Golf in two seasons in the top echelon, but I feel this is their greatest opportunity to achieve greatness. They have the cattle. They just have to perform as a unit right across the four rinks against the juggernaut, which is Shep Golf, who are going for an unprecedented seven flags in a row under their maestro coach, Brad Orr. Orr is the key, the player who relishes the big occasion, like no other, and who can win a game on his own talent alone. The rink draw is going to have a big impact on the overall result. Or fresh mark Ryan's rink in the qualifying final, but Ryan's rink came out and dem- demolished Schilling's rink last week in the preliminary final. This will give that rink a lot of confidence, especially Mark Ryan, who's been a fantastic player. I hope that Ryan doesn't draw or in the final, and Tally will be in with a chance. The Truans were outstanding last week. The three of them, Matt, Connor and Pud. Um, Paul Truant and Liam Crapper showed his class for Tally. He's driving a highlight of the match in a losing rink. Doors and side bottoms rinks were solid in winning against golf last time in the uh, qualifying final, which was a positive, whilst John Stokes' rink performed well against Crapper's rink. Summing up, golf are never beaten and have a winning culture which will see them victorious an incredible and an incredible seven flags in a row to show for it. Well, this will surpass Kybram's. Uh, they're tied with Kybram at the moment with six straight. I think Kai was late 90s, early 2000s when they won their six in a row. And that's, um, I feel like that's been the, the carrot dangling in front of golf and particularly Brad Orr for many years now, probably after about maybe four or five flags of wanting to get that seven. And I feel like the sense of timing with him announcing that he wouldn't, won't be coaching Shepard and golf after this season and Brett Foley will take over the reins. I think this is going to be the exclamation mark or he's hoping it's the exclamation mark on his coaching term at Shep golf seven in a row and probably will be unprecedented unless they keep winning eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Um, if not Mark Ryan for Brad or Brian, who would you like to see draw him if Tally is to win on Sunday? I'd like to see Crapper. I think Crapper's attacking game. He drives like the the powers. Um, he's a he's a another version of Lenny Keane who won the champion champions in Bendigo. Lenny Keane in a game against Shep Golf upset them with the way he drove when he was playing third mm. to Dennis Smythe. Yep. He he had about eight. He killed eight. Dead, he had eight dead ends or something. Yep. He smashed the balls all around the place. Yep. And just upset their momentum. And um, I think you need a player. And if I think if he drew Brad Orr, he could. It'd be a really great contest. And he might upset might upset that Brinks uh, the way they. Uh, Mac has been setting them up with his great leading. So yeah. I think Crapper's the man. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm completely different in, in my opinion, Brian. I think it has to be Dawes and, and Robbo or um, Sidey and Joey Leah. I, I think you can't go um, toe-to-toe with Brad Orr and expect to win the rink. But if you overwhelm um, on, you know, if drawing if pressure, tw- 20 of the 25 ends or jumps on the mat down, that's when you can get the not only the, the ability to, to reduce a, a big defeat, but the, the opportunity to, to actually take the rink off him. Yeah. I, I don't think um, if Tally's going to win, it's going to be from beating Brad Orr in a game of skipping prowess. It's going to be beating Brad Orr's rink by having him have to save over and over again. And, you know... Or he's probably going to save 15 of those 20 ends. But the other five is, is where you make the difference. Yeah, look, and he hasn't been beaten all year, it must be said. And without doubt, the the skip of the year and both um, had him number one on our top 20 list. Um, th- where, do, where, do, where does his legacy sit as a coach of Shep Golf? If he, you know, whether it's six premierships in a row or seven after Sunday, where does his legacy sit? I, th- I think it's easy to look at the, um, the on-rink all the on-green results, Brian. Where where does where does he sit in terms of what he's achieved as a coach at Shep Golf? I think he's. I think um, a coach is probably the wrong word. I think. I think as a as a 
as a paid player is more appropriate. A motivator. A motivator. The best bowler in the comp by some margin, I believe. Um, Brett Foley probably go close, but Ori's done everything and he just, without him, look, East Shep beat them because Orr wasn't playing. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's just the key. Yeah. I don't think it's been his... Um, his coaching's probably improved some players five percent. He wouldn't have some of the older players there. You can't wouldn't have wouldn't have benefited much. But they probably got a a winning. He's developed a real winning culture because yeah. I don't. I think he's lost one grand final and he's what's he played in about twelve and one eleven. Yeah, yeah. I but mean only that Marupna one against Shep Golf. Yeah, I mean it's just a fantastic. He's got the um, and he seems to get the best out of his players. They play for him and yeah. With, yeah. any, with any dynasty, you need a figurehead. Um, it's like Paul Newman at Kyabram. Uh, it's his his ability to um, marshal the troops around himself has has been what I've noticed the most in the in the last sort of five years in the region. But I, I suppose you can you know you look at his legacy results wise, and it's um, the best there's ever been. And you know, in in five or ten years' time, you might look at his coaching legacy um, from a uh, where the club went after him, um, mm. which which could be you know we, we obviously don't know what will happen after that, but yeah, um, there's I think there's the, there's those two the, the impact you have at the club and the yeah. impact the club uh, feels from your um, departure and uh, Brad Orr's are already committed to playing with golf next year and yeah. um, just won't be in the coaching role, so yeah. his, his legacy will continue with golf and for for a number of years yet I imagine. I, I think it's important to look at his. T- term at Shepparton Golf in the overall context and we know the results speak for themselves and we can't argue with six or seven flags in a row whatever it may be after Sunday but it's also I think important to look at some of the other things as well that you know it's not all roses from my point of view and I think um, if he has created that culture of success but I think at times he's probably created a culture of a bit of pettiness intimidation as well and some of the things that have happened under his watch in his time at Shep Golf should also be mentioned in terms of his legacy as well and you know there's there's been incidents with you know the grand final venue a couple of years ago that they got moved from East Shepparton to 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 um to 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 to, to and that's sort of one of the examples of um sort of things maybe being changed to suit Shepherd and Golf and and their success and their agenda and you know um you know him and Stokesy a few years ago dropping down to Division Two to keep Tally out of the Division Two finals and and that was sort of a bit of a petty history um, beef that he he had with Mark Ryan so I think it's important that. And, you know, he can say that the, the, the means justified the ends and that's fine and he can we, we can't argue with his record in terms of premiership success and also, but I think it's important to look at the overall context. I think the other probably blot on the copybook for, for mine is the fact that golf's um, female membership numbers have declined as well and whether they'll continue to decline after he finishes coaching, um, you know, that's sort of something that he hasn't really built up in his time. It's, it's obviously been really focused on the Saturday pennant stuff and we know those results speak for themselves, but I think there's also other things that are important to consider in his context as a coach as well. And um, no doubt um, he's left an indelible legacy on Shep Golf um, as a coach and he'll continue to do so as a player. And, um, you know, it'll be tough, big shoes to follow for Brett Foley, but um, he's experienced as well with his time at Altona. So I, I probably predicted that would be the case after this season. I think the reason that Foley moved back to the area was he was going to end up eventually coaching his old club again at some stage and whether that's after a seventh flag in a row on Sunday we'll be sure uh, we'll be unsure until Sunday afternoon but Brian you were going for golf by how much I think golf by 12 shots who's your x-factor x-factor for golf uh probably I'll say Paul Truon Paul Truon yeah and for tally for Tally, uh, Scott Adams. Scott Adams, yeah, he's he's really got to set Rhino up, I think, in his rink, and obviously had a pretty good day last um, last week. Tyler, uh, it's golf by by ten for me. I think we might see a similar um, similar show to to the clashes that we've seen between golf and Tally. Uh, I think Tally, if if they're going to do it, it, it'll be now. But I just I think there's still five percent left in the tank that that they can't reach um, when, when golf puts that foot right to the floor. And yep. um, I think the X factors will be, uh, I mean, you, you can't, you can't 
go past the fact that Brad Orr will be the X factor, but mm. um, I, I think um, Joey Lee is the really important cog for for Tally because you know Robbo's gonna gonna give Dawsey, um you know that that support as a as the, probably the best third in the, the competition, but um, I think Joey Lee is not far behind. Yeah, look, and um, by Joey's admission, he probably struggled last week against Mitch Saibon, but I think um, Joey's a big game player and he will step up on the big stage. For me, I'm going the upset. I'm going tally by one shot. Uh, David Dawes to put the jack in the pit with the last bowl of the game against his former mob. Um, the X factors for me, um, I'm a bit similar to you. Joey Lee is going to be one for me um, to step up last after last week and um, and really um, you know play those bowls that we know he's capable of and be that really good support as a third to Mitch side bottom. The X factor for golf for me is um, Wayne Dagger as third to to John Stokes. But I think overall. Um, Probably the difference for Shep Golf in the qualifying final was probably the the lesser known players um, who should be um, Tally's lesser known players maybe a little bit better on paper than Golf's, but Golf's actually played better than him in the qualifying final and set him up in the leads in second spots. Um, if Tally can arrest that momentum, I think that can go a long way to them landing the upset. Fair oh, I comment. Think that about wraps it up. So, nah. so what's the go for our listeners on Sunday? Look out for us on uh, social media and uh, the the airwaves, and we'll, we'll make sure you know where to find us um, in pushing this show out, uh, as well as uh, everywhere. That's we can. Uh, yeah, twelve fifteen. We're going to start about twelve fifteen. I think it's twelve thirty. Roll up at twelve fifteen. Is it twelve thirty? Start. Okay. According to Alan Rogers, okay, they yep. wanted the games to start early so they can finish early. Well, I've been whinging about it for five years, Brian, so <laughs> glad to see the new regime's uh, taken on some of my feedback and uh, wheeled the start time back. But, uh, but, but, yeah, in all seriousness, no, look, this, is, this is why we do what we do and we get to this point at each stage of the season and there is a genuine amount of excitement amongst us and probably no doubt the GB Bowls fraternity and being out there today for the midweek finals. This is what people play sport for, and I, I know I'm excited to be there on Sunday and see another Titanic clash, hopefully, between the two best sides in the Division One competition. Um, and we're, we're really proud and privileged to be able to bring it to our, our loyal followers and, and viewers. And it's going it's to be live-streamed? Yes. Can we say on the Shepherd News Facebook page... Uh, well, that's not how it works specifically, Brian. But uh, like on I said, the Shep look out, news, yes. Look out to the, the look out for the Shep for the information on the Shep News Facebook page and the Shep News website. And it's and one FM ninety eight point five again are broadcasted as well. Yep, I'll so take make, our commentary. Make sure you uh, get us in your ears, and uh, we'll speak to you again on Sunday. So we won't do the the, the full sort of wrap up now. But thank you, uh, listeners, for tuning in all year and. Thank you, Brian and Ash, for another uh, season of After the Jack. It's been a p- privilege, and hopefully uh, the GB Bowls fans have got something out of it. Yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed it, and I can't wait until Sunday to get back on the airwaves after missing out on <laughs> a great performance by you two guys last year. Thanks, listeners, and uh, Tyler and Ash. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.